very good evening to each and every one of you. And uh, we'll continue with our uh, lessons from the life of David. And uh, today I thought we will look at uh, the first eight verses of 1 Chronicles 28. 1 Chronicles 28, the first eight verses. Last week, uh, sorry, on last Sunday, I couldn't do eight verses. I did four, but today I'm going to go at top speed and I'm going to finish eight verses, I'm determined. So I'll ask Dean to read the first eight verses. Please, Dean, thank you. First Chronicles chapter 28, beginning at verse 1 through 8. Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes, and the captains of the divisions who served the king, the captains over thousands, and the captains over hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king and his of his sons, with the officials, the valiant men, and all the mighty men of valor. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen Judah to be the ruler. And of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he was pleased with me to make me king over all Israel. And all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord Over Israel. Now he said to me, It is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, Be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. Thank you, Dean. David's life was almost coming to an end. And like many mighty leaders before him, prior to his departure, he took the opportunity to address his people one last time. And Moses had done it before. Joshua had followed his example. And now in that tradition, David also took the opportunity to address the people. And here in verse 1, you can see that David summoned all the elite of the nation, those who headed all the various groups, The regional heads were there with top military men, you can see. Then you can see he called for the managers of his various business interests, uh, those who acted for his sons, and then uh, officers, eunuchs, those who functioned as ministers of 
state or civil servants. Uh, and then finally, you see that even the mighty men were also invited. So, in effect, anyone who was anything under uh, David was invited to attend. You see, David wanted to ensure that anyone who had responsibility or influence, anyone with any kind of power, would hear his final speech and his final appeal and take on board what David had to say. You see, once it had been a personal ambition of David, but now he wanted to make it a national responsibility to build the temple of God. You see, the lesson here is that if we are ambitious in the things of God, it is vital to transmit it to others and enthusiasm for any project. You can't do it on your own. Uh, you must make sure that you carry everyone along with you. Then only it can be successful. Solomon was young, inexperienced. He was going to need the support of everyone in this great project of building the house of God. So, you also, if you find that you want to do something for God, make sure that you take others along with you. And then it will be successful. Now I want you to notice that in verse 1 here, uh, or in verse 2, uh, it tells us that David, when he started to recount the story, he stood up. Now, uh, before in chapter 17, uh, when David was denied the privilege of building the temple, when Nathan the prophet came and told him, you cannot build the temple, he was sitting down. Here, we see that uh, David was standing up. It would have taken a considerable effort. Here he was an old man, and but he wanted to stand up uh, to show his respect for this illustrious audience. And then I want you to notice also in verse 2 uh, how he addresses the people. He says, My brethren and my people. My brethren and my people. The order is significant. You see, in that same verse, you can see that uh, he is known as David the king. But he was not ashamed to refer to his subjects as my brethren. The relationship that he had with them in family took precedence over his authority over them. Every person who has a responsibility for somebody, uh, another believer in Christ, uh, is described in scripture as a brother for whom Christ died. So, there is no uh, hierarchy or an underclass. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. David addressed them as my brethren and my people. Then I also want you to notice that David begins to recount what has been now uh, well known to all the people that um, he had been stopped from being the one to build the temple. 
And I want you to notice that even though this was his ambition, uh, in verse 2 he said, I had it in mine heart to build a house for God. He rose up above what was a major setback for him because this was his main ambition. And it had been taken away from him. But he did not let that disappointment stop him from continuing to serve God or do something for God. You may also want to do something for God and it may be blocked or taken away from you. But don't let that discourage you or stop you from serving God. Because in God's kingdom there is many, many ways and means in which you can serve him. David did not allow that to disappoint him. And then uh, notice that also in verse 2, he said that he wanted to build this house, which was going to be a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord. A house of rest. You see, for generations, the ark had journeyed from place to place with the people. And now, it was time for it to come to a place of rest. This is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, who after dwelling and tabernacling with us here on this earth, he sat down at the right hand of God. His work was done. Now he could rest. David wanted to build a place of rest for the ark that had been moving around. And then notice also in verse 2, it says, Uh, He wanted to make it for the footstool of our God. The temple was to be the footstool of our God. Now, in Psalm 99 and verse 5, it tells us that, if you could have that slide up, Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. So David had in mind a venue which the people could express their homage. You see, such is the majesty that he declared through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 66 and verse 1. The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Then I also want you to notice next what David had planned. He also prepared for. He didn't just plan it in his mind. He went ahead and took action and prepared for it. Because, notice again, verse 2, made ready for the building, right there at the end of the verse. It was not just a dream for him. He took concrete steps to make things ready to build the house of God. It is good also, when we also have plans to do things for God, that these plans are backed by action. Not just words, not just thoughts and ideas, but we also take action and put it into practice. Too often good intentions uh, that we have, but when it comes to the crunch time, we are unwilling to spend the energy that it takes or we are unwilling to spend the money, or to devote the time necessary to do something for God. But don't be like that. Be like David. Make ready 
and get things done for God. Then we move on to verse 3. And right at the start of verse 3, it says, but God. But God. You see, this is a proof uh, of that old adage which says that man proposes, but God disposes. David had one idea in his mind. He wanted to build something for God. But God had some other idea and plan. And the reason why David was sidelined and why God had another plan is this. And it's mentioned there briefly. It's David's history as a warrior with blood on his hands. He was a man who went and won many battles for the kingdom. And because he was a man who had blood on his hands, God did not want him to be the one to build the house of God. Rather, he wanted his son Solomon to build. Now, Solomon's name means peaceable. So the lesson here is this. Peaceable conditions and peacemakers must be employed if we are to build anything for God. Strife and commotion will invariably wreck any possible blessing. So peaceable people, peaceable conditions are needed to build something for God. David was a man of war. He was a man who had blood on his hands. And God did not want him to be the one to build the temple. So he chose his son Solomon. Shows. Now that is a key theme here in this passage. I want you to notice the word chose in verse 4. Chosen Judah in verse 4. He had chosen Solomon in verse 5. In verse 6, chosen him to be my son. Chose, 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 chose. We don't have any say in the matter. It is God who chooses us to serve him. You see, David was chosen. Judah was chosen. Solomon was chosen. The lesson here is, God is sovereign in his choices. He can choose whoever he wishes to serve him. John chapter 15 and verse 16. The Lord Jesus was talking to his disciples here and he said, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruits. We didn't choose God. God chose us. That's what he was telling his disciples. And so here, David is recounting in these verses what happened to him. He was a little boy. uh, And then the people from Samuel came to the village. And he recalls how he came down the hillside. And then the sensation of the oil being anointed upon his head. And no doubt he had heard that Samuel had scrutinized all his brothers, but had selected him. You see, out of all the sons of Jacob... Judah had been the chosen royal tribe. And then out of all the tribes of Judah, the house of Jesse had been chosen. And then out of all the sons of Jesse, God chooses 
David. And then now out of all of David's many sons, you notice the words there in verse 5, I have many sons. Out of all his many sons, why is it that God chose Solomon to be the one to build the temple? You see, Judah was not the firstborn, but yet he was chosen. And then um, Jesse was a non-entity. Hardly uh, known for anything was Jesse. In fact, have a look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 12. And Jesse was known as the man who went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. A non-entity, an old man. And then in verse 28 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, you see that Jesse was the owner of just a few sheep in the wilderness. An old man in the days of King Saul who only had a few sheep. So why was the house of Jesse selected? Thank you. So, um, <clears throat> Judah was not the firstborn, yet he was chosen. Jesse was a non-entity, a man who was an old man with just a few sheep, but he was chosen. And then uh, we see that David, that despised younger son of Jesse, yet he was chosen. Why is that, that these people were the ones who were chosen when they did not mean anything? You see, Solomon was the fruit of a union that should never have been. But yet, he was chosen. God is sovereign in his choices. He chooses whomsoever he wills to serve him. And we have no say in that matter. Then I want you to notice verse 4. He had chosen... But also, I want you to notice in verse 4, David says, To be king over Israel forever. David saw his appointment as being forever. You see, in the service of God, we are never there just for a temporary period, and then, you know, I feel tired now, I'm going to take retirement and, you know, resign from this and that. No. We are forever his servants. We are forever called to serve him. And even though David was now at the latter part of his life, just before his death here, an old man, still he sees that he was called forever. You see, uh, he understood God's purpose for his life. He knew God's promises. Luke chapter 1 And verses 32 and 33. Luke chapter 1, verses 32. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. You see, David understood the principle that God had given him a special place. Let us also understand that we are special to God. Then I want you to move on very quickly to verse 5. 
and then we will see that David saw his many sons as a gift. David saw his many sons as a gift from God. You see, children are a heritage of the Lord. If only the modern world could grasp that. Sometimes children are treated so lightly and they are even aborted before being born. But they are actually a gift from God to be valued. David valued his children. And then I want you to notice next, also in verse 5, he says that the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He understood that the kingdom was not his. The kingdom belonged to the Lord. The kingdom of the Lord. It's very easy when we are in a position of responsibility or if you are a king or a queen to think that this whole thing belongs to you and has been given into your hands and I can do as I wish. No. David understood that the kingdom was not his, but it was of the Lord. And then, next I want you to notice that uh, verse 5, Solomon was not only chosen to sit upon the throne, but also in verse 6, he was chosen to be my son. You see, uh, from a spiritual standpoint, sonship and service, when it goes hand in hand, and even the prodigal son, he did not understand that concept. He said, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. But David wanted Solomon to understand that. To be a willing servant of the Most High God, one must first have a relationship with him as a son of God. Then only we can be of service to God. Then only we can serve him. Then I want you to notice also in verse 6, look carefully at this verse. God spoke to David of Solomon as thy son. You see that? He said unto me, Solomon thy son. But later on in the verse, God says, I have chosen him to be my son. One moment he was David's son, thy son. And then notice that God has claimed him for himself and he's made him my son. Thy son became my son. Let it be the prayer of every Christian father that his child or his son should become sons of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be uh, those that look forward to the day in which our children become God's children. My son becomes thy son. Then I want you to notice next, in verse 6, it says, He shall build my house. So, Solomon was given this job of building the house of God, the temple, and Solomon was determined to build it. Now, I want you to uh, notice the chronology here. In 2 Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 1, it tells us that Solomon determined to build a house in the name of the Lord and a house for his kingdom. So Solomon wanted to build a house for God. He determined to build a house. Then next, 
notice 2 Chronicles 3 and verse 1. Then Solomon began to build the house. First he determined to build the house. Next he began to build the house. And then I want you to notice 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 14. So Solomon built the house and finished it. So this is the order in which service for God should be done. There is an order that holds good for every aspect of the work of God that you may be involved in. This is the order. God appoints his servant. The servant resolves to do God's bidding. The work commences. And then the diligent servant sees the work through to its completion. That is what Solomon did. God appointed him. He chose him. Solomon determined, okay, I'm going to do it. Next step, Solomon began to do it. And then the next step, he completed it. Let us also be Christians who, when we do something for God, don't just start it and then leave it halfway. When you're given a responsibility by your elders or God has spoken to you to do something, be someone who does things for God and completes it. Then I want you to notice uh, verse 7. According to Solomon's continuity and the way that he was going to respond to divine commitment uh, commands, notice in verse 7 it says, I will establish his kingdom forever if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. You see, God gave him credit for being happily compliant with his will. But you see, many people start out well, but then there is slippage. They don't continue. But what does it say in these words? In this verse, God wants him to be constant to do my commandments. When we are doing something for God, it should be constantly done. We must constantly follow God's commandments. As at this day, Solomon was following God's commandments. But God wanted him to continue on without stopping. The word really means uh, to be strong. You know, it does require strength of character to obey God. When there are so many pressures in the world, every day, even today, I'm sure, you would have faced pressures uh, not to conform to God's order. And despite these pressures, make sure that you are someone who wants to obey God's precepts. It's a sad fact that David said here, or God said, uh, as at this day, as at that day, yes, Solomon did uh, do what was right. But later on uh, in his life, as you know, he lapsed in the latter stages of his life. And one day, uh, ten tribes left from the kingdom during uh, uh, the early days of his son Rehoboam's reign. So you see, God took away the kingdom because he didn't keep to what he should have been doing. So let us also make sure that we take seriously God's uh, promises of blessings. Then next
we will move on to verse 8. And now therefore in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord. Now, in the sight of all Israel. You see, it is very good when things are done in open sight, when everybody can see. Many times there are people who would um, perhaps uh, not do things in plain sight, but in hiding. Now, the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 18 and verse 20, John 18 uh, and verse 20, Jesus answered him said, I hope. I spake openly to the world. I never, ta- I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. David also, when he was speaking, he spoke in the sight of all Israel. Now, if somebody was to tell you something unorthodox about the church, or your leaders, or something like that, but it was hidden away, perhaps, Uh, in a restaurant or in a home round a table. Make sure that you are on your guard. If people have got nothing to hide, it will be said out in the open. And so David was willing to say what he had in the sight of all Israel. And also notice in verse 8, not only was it in the sight of all Israel, it says there, in the audience... Of our God. David realized when he was speaking. That he was speaking in the audience of God. While I am talking to you here. God is present. Let us also be aware of that fact. That God is always present. Cornelius. He seemed to understand that in Acts chapter 10. And verse 33 he said. Now therefore we are all present before God. Let us be aware that divine presence is there wherever we are. Chosen ones, believers, saints, God is there. And then that will help us. When we uh, know that God is there, we will be careful with our choice of words. And we will give ultimate or utmost respect. Frequently, Paul reminded Timothy that what was being said was before God. Over and over again, I don't have the time to give you all the references, but you will be able to see he always says that it is before God. Right, coming to the end of verse 8 here, and uh, I want you to see the last few points here, that David exhorted the people first to keep God's commandments. Look at verse 8. Keep and seek for all the commandments Of the Lord your God. You see. There is a very important principle here. One is. About keeping the commandments of God. We are all meant to keep it. But. There is also a seek the commandments of God. Sometimes people say this. I didn't know that the Bible says this. Or I didn't know I should have done this. Or that. God wants us. To seek. To find out. What the commandments are. In other words, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Keep and seek the commandments of the Lord. We have to find out what God wants us to do. What is his law? That is what 
David was reminding the people here. And then, next notice also in verse uh, 8. Which commandments does he want us to follow? All the commandments. Is there any latitude with which commandments that you can obey? No. You can't say, okay, I'll do this because, you know, this is more convenient for my lifestyle, but I won't follow that of God's commandments. No. My brother, my sister, I encourage you also to put it into practice. Follow all of God's commandments and then you will find great blessing in your life. I know what you're thinking. Rajiv, it's impossible to follow all the commandments. No one can do it. No, it's possible. Here's a question. I always ask her one question. If you know the answer, raise your hands up. Which husband and wife in the Bible followed all the commandments? Which husband and wife in the Bible followed all the commandments? I just want to show you it's possible to do it. Yes. Anyone? Uh, Close. Very good. Let's have a look at that. Luke chapter 1 and verse 6. Luke 1 and verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, Zacharias and Elizabeth, walking in all the commandments. If they could do it, we can do it. All the commandments. They could do it. Let us also try to follow all the commandments of God. You see, uh, if we are those that meditate on God's law, on God's commandments, David did it in Psalm 119 that David wrote. And verse 97, he said, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Let us also be like David. Meditate on God's law all the day. And then we can do all the commandments. He also said in uh, Psalm 119 and verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. Great peace. That's what you will get if you were to come closer to God. And follow his commandments. May the submissive attitude that David had. Uh, to the word of God. May that be a feature of all our lives. And my final point to you from verse 8 is, I want you to notice the words, good land. You see that there in verse 8, about the good land? You see, if you were to keep all of God's commandments, he promises that he will bring you to a good land. There will be great blessing in your life. Many don't believe it or don't think it's possible. And so, or it's more comfortable uh, for me if I don't follow all the commandments. I'll pick and choose which ones to follow from the Bible. No. If you do it in faith, follow all of God's commandments. He will bring you to a good land. Great blessing in your life. And it will set a tremendous example for your family and your children. If you only hold God at his promise. You see, by implication, 
There's the threat that disobedience would mean removal from the land. Let it not come to that. Let us be those who love God, want to serve God, and then we can come to the good land. On that note, I will close, and then the next time I speak to you, uh, I'll continue in more lessons from the life of David. In fact, this chapter here is a um, chapter where there are a large number of lessons. Uh, In fact, I learned uh, um, that there are three types of gold in this chapter that I never knew of before. Uh, In uh, verse 15, there is one type of gold. In verse 17, you'll see that there is pure gold. In verse 18, there is refined gold. So many lessons. You can perhaps tell me the meaning of it before. I'm here the next time. I'll ask our brother Dean to close in prayer. Let's pray. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for the life of David and his example. He was a great king and he was a man of God and he wrote many psalms and he praised you, Lord, and he thanked you. And he went through so many trials and difficulties in his life, but he always relied on you to give him the victory, to lead him, to guide him. And we pray, Lord, that we will have this lifestyle, a lifestyle of obedience and trust in you, faith and and, and living our lives in this world to be different, Lord. Help us to be different. Help us to be separated from this world and set apart for you. And help us to let the light of Christ shine in our lives. And we just thank you, Lord, for David's godly example and how he passed the torch to his son Solomon. And Solomon then took it and he built the temple. And it was a great house for you, Lord. Help us to be builders. Help us to be servants. Help us to be humble workers for you. And we just pray that you will uh, raise up more workers, Lord, to serve you and to go out into your harvest field, Lord, in these last days to win souls and to build up the people of God. We just thank you for Rajiv and bringing him here from Sri Lanka and thank you for using him in our lives. Pray that we'll continue to meditate on these things, Lord, and that you'll transform us and help us to walk closely with you. Please take us home safely tonight. Please bless the Friday groups, Lord, and also the men's lunch tomorrow and the move on Saturday. If it does take place, Lord, if it's your will, may you bring it to pass and bring us back to church on Sunday and encourage us with your word and with the remembrance of the Lord. And so we just commit everything to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.